again, welcome. We're grateful for your presence. Appreciate so much you being here today. We're going to be looking in just a moment at Isaiah chapter 6. I hope you'll be turning to Isaiah chapter 6, the passage that Cameron read a moment ago. In Isaiah chapter 6, and we're going to be talking today about here am I, use me. I do want to mention a couple of things before I get started. First and foremost, I want to say I appreciate so much your response to the lessons that were presented last week. I knew going into last week that the lessons that I presented would be very, very difficult. They would be hard for me to preach, and they would be hard for you to listen to. And I want you to know that Last week, the intent was, really the last two weeks, has been to wake us up and to revive us. And I said a moment ago, or I said earlier that the revival obviously begins with me. But I appreciate how you have responded, and I want to say that there are still some here that need to be revived. And so I don't want you to think that we're getting off this theme at all. We're going to approach it today a little bit differently than we did last week, but I do want us to think about how we can be used by God. The second thing I want to mention very quickly is how much I appreciate each of you contributing to all the children this year. We helped 19 children from the Pineville Children's Home, and if you had the opportunity to be a part of that and you were here that Saturday morning, you know as well as I that it was a great day. And I promise you, you blessed a lot of people that day. Later, we had the opportunity to assist 21 children from Lewisburg, the Lewisburg Intermediate School. And I appreciate Debbie Williams, her organization, the planning, and all the work that went into that. And let me tell you what, Jared and I delivered those gifts on Wednesday, and we had a bus full of presents. There were eight of us unloading those presents. And it didn't, it didn't, it, well, it took a while to unload them. That's how many presents we had. And so you've blessed a lot of people. And I think about the love that Jesus had for children. And this is one thing that we can do to help others. And so I appreciate so much your willingness to help. I want to call your attention today to Isaiah chapter 6. I want you to think with me about how you can be used by the Lord. I really believe that we have tremendous talent in this congregation. We have some of the brightest minds anywhere to be found. And so I'm grateful for the pool of talent that we have. The willingness on the part of so many of you to be used by God, to be an influence for good, to use the talents or the abilities that you have to help further the cause in this community. Our goal ought to be to be a shining light for good in this community, in the world. Our goal ought to be that we are the light of the world. I was talking to a lady the other day And I invited her to services. I was trying to tell her where we are, and she said, oh, you're the church on the hill, aren't you? And I said, that's right, that's that's us. 
So there are people in this community that know about us. They know where we are, but there are a lot of people that don't know about us, and they don't know where we are. But we have the opportunity to share that knowledge with them. The lesson today is a very simple lesson. It's a very practical lesson. I want to begin, as we think about the theme, here am I, use me. I want to begin by, first of all, noting that Isaiah began by looking upward. I'm convinced that if we want to be a servant, if we want to do what we can to be a light for God in this world, then we have to begin by looking upward. And there are three things that Isaiah saw many, many years ago. Listen, if you would, to what is recorded. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. First, Isaiah saw the position of the Lord. The position of the Lord in this context Isaiah said he was high and lifted up. He had the opportunity to see the awesome majesty of the Lord. The psalmist in Psalm 99 said many, many centuries ago that the Lord is high above all people. When we talk about worshiping and serving God, first and foremost, we need to see the Lord as he really is. And that is, the Lord is high and lifted up. He is, as the Apostle Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 3, or rather chapter 4, the Lord is above all. The psalmist said in Psalm 99, the Lord reigns. And so we talk about the sovereignty of God and His exalted position. Again, I reference Psalm 99 two times in that context. The psalmist cried, Exalt the Lord our God. And so to understand the majesty of God begins by seeing Him as high and lifted up. And then secondly, notice if you would the persona of the Lord. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings and, and with two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. When you think about the persona of the Lord, it's summed up by these angelic beings. And what they said about the Lord, He is a holy being. And so we think about God high and lifted up, His exalted position. But then we're talking about a holy being. Again, in Psalm 99, the psalmist three times in that one psalm appeals to the holiness of God. Earlier, the psalmist would say that we are to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The Bible speaks of the holiness of God. God would say that we are to be holy. Why? Because he said, I am holy. And so Isaiah caught a glimpse of the Lord. And he said, first and foremost, he saw his position that the Lord is high and lifted up. Secondly, he saw his persona. And then thirdly, he saw his presence. I want you to listen again in verse 1. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. 
The train of his robe filled the temple. Look at verse 4. And the post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Sometimes we talk about the presence of God. Isaiah came to the throne at the age of 16. He was just a young teenager. And the scriptures tell us he reigned 52 years. And you think about the stability of the kingdom during the time of Uzziah. The respect that he had garnered. The goodwill. And you think about his reputation. And no doubt there were people that trusted him. And they looked to him as their leader. And yet here's Isaiah and he's saying, look, the king, that is King Uzziah, has died. But what Isaiah says is the king the king here may have died but there is a higher king and he is alive again the psalmist said the Lord reigns sometimes we talk about transitions of power and the rise and fall of kingdoms the rise and fall, and, and fall of monarchs and you can go back and you can read the history of the kings, the northern kings, the southern kings. One of the things that ties them all together is they reigned and then ultimately they died. But what Isaiah is saying is God is still on his throne. God is still alive. He is an ever-present being. Now there's a second thing I want you to see in our study. First, Isaiah looked upward, but then secondly... Isaiah looked inward. He looked upward to the Savior. He looked inward to self. And don't you think that when we come face to face with the majesty of God, the fact that He isn't, is a high and exalted being, that He is filled with holiness, that He is an omnipresent being, He's ever-present, that sometimes it gives reason for us to pause in life and to think about our own spiritual condition, our own spiritual imperfections. First thing that comes to mind is the candidness of Isaiah. Jesus in John chapter 12 verse 41 speaks of Isaiah. And he said, speaking of this very occasion, that Isaiah saw his glory. I think Isaiah had the opportunity to see the second member of the Godhead sitting upon this throne, high and lifted up. And so in light of the one who is on the throne, here's what Isaiah said in a very candid and concise way. Woe is me, for I am undone. The footnote in the New King James Version renders it, I am destroyed. I'm cut off. When you look at yourself in light of the majesty and holiness of God, what do you see? When you look at Almighty God, He is a perfect being, a holy being. I can't begin to wrap my mind around the wisdom and knowledge of God. As a matter of fact, Paul said, Oh, the depth of the riches 
of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, his ways past tracing out. And yet here is Isaiah standing before this throne. And he recognizes his own imperfections. Do you remember in Luke 18, Jesus talked about two men that went up to the temple to pray and one was self-righteous. He said, I thank God I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this publican. He said, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And then here is this publican, a tax collector. And Jesus said he wouldn't even raise his eyes toward heaven. And he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Sometimes we need to see ourselves as we really are. So first, there is the candidness of Isaiah. And in light of his candidness, note if you would, his condition. He said, woe is me, I'm undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. He said, my eyes have seen the king the Lord of hosts. What was his condition? He states it. Candidly. Concisely. And sometimes, again, that's what we need to do. Personal reflection. Do you remember the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5? When he said, examine yourselves, isn't it good sometimes to take self-inventory? We're coming to the time of year when a lot of corporations, a lot of businesses are going to be, they're going to be inventorying where they are. And they're going to be asking some questions. How do we do this year? Where do we stack up? What do we do in comparison to last year? Where are we going to be next year, etc.? Spiritually speaking, sometimes it's very needful for us to take inventory. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago we looked at Genesis chapter 3? When God asked Adam, after having transgressed his law in the Garden of Eden, God said, Adam, where are you? God knew where Adam was. But what he was asking Adam is, Adam, do you know where you are? That's a profound question. Where are you spiritually? You know, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 3 that sin is the transgression of the law. And so sin is an ever-present reality. Isaiah understood that. Isaiah, in looking at himself in comparison to God, he could say in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 4, speaking of God, the Holy One of Israel. But in looking at his own life, he said, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of an unclean people. He said, my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Have you seen God high and lifted up? Do you recognize the exalted position of God? Do you understand his persona? Do you recognize his presence? 
But now note, if you would, his cleansing, the cleansing of Isaiah. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away. He said, Your sin is purged or atoned for, as the footnote relates it. Have you ever thought about what God has done for you? When you step back and think about all that God has done for us through Christ, could I ask you a question? Is that not a catalyst to be used for good in His kingdom? Do you remember what Paul said in writing to Timothy, his own son in the faith, in 1 Timothy chapter 1? He said, I thank Christ Jesus, my Lord, who has enabled me counting me faithful, putting me into the ministry. He said, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, he said, but I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. He said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul understood the fact that he had lived in sin. He had done a lot of things that were injurious to the cause of Christ. He was, as we would say, a church wrecker. Luke said he made havoc of the church. His intent, destroy Christianity, stamp Stomp it out, whatever the case may be. And yet the Lord appeared to him on the road to Damascus. Saul of Tarsus was instructed by Ananias to arise and be baptized to wash away his sins. And he did that. And you look at his life and you see a life of thanksgiving. One who was thankful to God for all that he had done. Do you remember when he wrote to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 2? In verse 4, when he said, But God, who is rich in mercy, for the great love wherewith he has loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has made us alive together with Christ. He said, By grace are you saved. Paul understood that he had been a wretched sinner, that he had been separated from God. And by the way, sin separates us from God. That's what Isaiah plainly says in Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. And yet Paul understood that the redemptive work of Christ has made it possible for us to be redeemed by His blood. Do you remember in Ephesians 1-7, Paul said, In Him, that is in Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. Now you can step back and ask the question, how did Paul view the grace of God? Let me tell you how he viewed it. In Ephesians 1-6, he said, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved. Paul was grateful for the grace of God. Grateful that God thought enough of him to redeem him by his blood. And John in the Revelation, in Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 said, Unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins by his own blood. And so there is redemption and there is reconciliation. 
Redemption by the blood of Christ and reconciliation in the body of Christ. In Ephesians 2.16, the Bible says that Jesus reconciled both Jew and Gentile in one body unto God through the cross. Has God made it possible for us to enjoy fellowship with Him? Yes. And a thousand times more, yes. God has made it possible for you to enjoy fellowship with Him. And sometimes we need to step back and think about where we are, spiritually speaking. Sometimes we we need to recognize that maybe we're not where we thought we were. Maybe we're not where we ought to be. Could that be your case today? Is it possible that you have been deceiving yourself? That you're something in the kingdom of God when in fact you aren't? Third thing. First, Isaiah looks upward to the Savior. Secondly, he looks inward to self. And thirdly, he looks outward to serve. Look at verse 8. In verse 8, here's what Isaiah said, and don't you love it. He said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Two things here. First of all, I want you to think about the call to service. Do you know what God is saying to Isaiah? God is asking the question, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? God's asking that question today. God wants to know individually, collectively, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Do you remember in Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus said, Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, And he said, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Let me tell you what, that is the call of God. God calling us to service. Have you heard the call? God said, I want you to go. Have you heard the call? Two parts to the Great Commission. There is the going and the sending. You may not be able to go, but you can send. And by the way, where you live, that is your mission field. Wherever you are, that's your mission field. Your backyard, your neighbors, your classmates, your co-workers, the people you play ball with, the people you play golf with or tennis with, whatever the case may be, that is your mission field. Have you answered the call to service? God is asking the question. He's asking you, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? The Great Commission is applicable. But listen, you need to understand this. Go ye means go me, as the writer said. And there are a lot of tools available. Don Blackwell's with us today. Don is the director of GBN, does a fabulous job. I appreciate Don, his family. I appreciate all that he does. GBN is great work, and it does a great work, but it could do greater works. It could do far better works. But it needs people that have bought into the Great Commission, that have answered the call, go. Have you answered that call? Do you remember in Galatians 6, verse 2, Paul said, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Have you answered that call? Have you answered the call to bear the burdens of one another? 
Paul would write in Romans chapter 12, verse 15, Rejoice with them that rejoice. Weep with them that weep. Have you answered that call? Have you answered the call to service? Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 20, verse 6? Why do you stand here idle all day? Some of us, some of us here need to answer that call. We've been idle too long, complacent too long, apathetic too long. Maybe the case is we left our first love a long time ago. And you know what? We need to be awakened. You need to be awakened. Somebody needs to rattle your cage and wake you up so that you can say as Isaiah did, here am I and here's your attitude. Use me. Is that your attitude? Is that how you think? Verse 10, let us as we have opportunity do good unto all men, especially those who are of the household of faith. Have you answered that call? We've done a lot of good things this year. We just did some unbelievable work among children. And by the way, I had a call. Had a call Friday evening, Friday afternoon, late. A family. Actually, the guidance counselor called me from Lewisburg. And she said, we have a family and the children, here's what they need, they just need some clothes. Let us, as we have opportunity, do good unto all men, and especially those who are of the household of faith. James said, pure religion and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Have you answered the call? Have you answered that call? So first there is the call to service, but secondly, I want you to note with me if you would. It's right here in the text. First, there's the call to service. Secondly, the consecration to service. Here's what God asked. Isaiah said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And here's what Isaiah said. Here am I. Send me. You know what Isaiah was saying? Here am I. You used me, God. Use me in your service. Is that your attitude? Would you say with me today, here am I, use me? Two very important principles here. First, we need to be agreeable to service. And here's where it begins. Matthew 6, verse 33. You can look at a lot of verses, but here's where it begins. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You know what that means? It means Jesus is first in your life. It means that your attitude is, here am I, use me. Use me, God. Use whatever talent or abilities I may have. Use those to your glory, to your service, for your cause. I appreciate our elders. And I appreciate their willingness to take on an awesome responsibility. To think that they're going to give an account for each and every soul in this congregation. God's going to hold them personally responsible for your soul, for my soul. Our attitude ought to be, look, we want to try to help them. 
so that they can tend to the flock. And so I want to encourage you, you go to the elders and you say, here am I, use me, you use me. Would you do that? Would you answer the call to service? Would you be agreeable to serving? First, we need to be agreeable to serve. Secondly, we need to be amenable to serve. And that is our attitude needs to say, you know what, I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to do whatever. Remember Samuel the prophet many, many years ago? Samuel was called by God, and God comes to Samuel. And here's what Samuel said, Speak, Lord, your servant hears. What about you today? Would you be like Samuel? Speak, Lord, your servant hears. I'm here. Use me. I want you to know there's hope for you. Maybe you're here today and you're sitting in the pew right now and you're thinking, you know what, I haven't done much for the cause of Christ. Matter of fact, I had not done anything. I've been apathetic. My life's not been what it ought to be. I haven't answered the call to service. I know it. The church knows it. And I know the church knows it. So here's what I want to do. I want to try to make a change. We had a lot of responses last Sunday. We had two more responses Wednesday night. You may be here today and you're thinking right now, you know what, I should have gone forward last week, but I didn't do it. I should have made some changes last week. I haven't done it. Putting it off. I've been putting that on hold. Have you been putting God on hold? Ever call somebody and they say, could you hold just a minute? Doesn't that just drive you crazy? Drives me crazy. And some people are notorious for saying, can you hold just one minute? One minute turns into five minutes or whatever. Have you been putting God on hold? Is God on hold in your life right now? You haven't been faithful in your worship. You haven't been faithful in the work. Could I ask you a question? When do you plan to get it right? When do you plan to turn it around? When you have children? When you get older, when are you going to get your mind where it needs to be? When's that going to happen? Today? Tomorrow? Next week? Next month? Next year? Let me tell you what you need to understand. Solomon said, who knows what a day may bring forth? You don't have any guarantees. I don't have any guarantees. Right now, we're living in the moment. And you have the opportunity to make it right today. I want to encourage you to do that. I said last week, I'm going to say it again. God is going to hold us responsible for what we do in this community. Believe it or not. You are a steward. God is not going to stand, well, let me back up. I'm not going to stand before God and God say to me, I put it all on you. No, it doesn't work that way. 
He's not going to say to you individually, I put the work all on you. But he is going to say to you, and he's going to say to me, I gave you a work to do. Now my question to you is, are you going to answer that call? When you stand before God, and I said last week, I'm, I'm going to reinforce it again, we are on a gold mine. It's up to us to do something with it. And we can make this place what God wants it to be, and we can do our best. Look, we have no control over what people do with the gospel, but we do have control over what we do with the gospel. Teaching it, sharing it, exemplifying it. One day we're going to stand before God and he's going to say, you know what, I gave you a gold mine. And you didn't do a thing with it. You didn't do one thing. Is that what you want to hear? If that's what God says to me or to you or to us collectively, let me tell you what he's going to say after that. Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Look, if we think we're just going to play church and we're just going to keep house, we're mistaken. And we can do that. But we'll pay for it. Flip side is, we can get busy. And you can say, and I can say, here am I, use me. Will you let God use you in his kingdom to help further this cause? We are a steward of this work. And my prayer is that we will understand the magnitude of responsibility that rests upon our shoulders. That we will not take it lightly. So if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I want you to understand there's only one way to become a child of God and that's through Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, John 14, 6. Do you believe Jesus to be the Son of God? Would you be willing to repent of all your sins just like they did on Pentecost Day and be baptized into Christ so that all your sins can be washed away, Acts 22, 16? If you'll do that, you're well on your way to heaven. And then make the work of the church, make the worship of the church a labor of love. Make it something that you love to do. Be faithful. If you're here today and maybe your life's not been what it ought to be, and maybe, honestly, you've been asleep for a long time. You've been out of service. And you say, you know what? i got to straighten up. We're here to pray with you and for you. I know it was said to me the other day by someone that they wanted to come forward, but they were fearful of doing that. Look, don't worry about what other people think. We're not here to hurt anybody. We're here to help. And we're family. And because we're family, we're not going to look down on you. Matter of fact, we're going, we're going to be grateful for you if you'll come forward, if you need to come forward today. Let us pray with you and for you as we stand and sing.